Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Hello. Hey, there we go. Good morning, guys. It's good to be with you. Um, Yeah, I just want to actually start by saying thank you for the warm welcome. Um, I want to say thank you as well to Jason, because having been in ministry for several years, I know the risk that he's taken this morning, because he's never heard me preach. So, (laughs) um, you know, thank you for, like, taking that and allowing me the honor of taking your pulpit um, and just speaking to you guys. And I hope this morning that what I share, um, it will be a bit of our story, um, but primarily we're going to focus on the Scripture and the Word of God and see what that has to say to us this morning. But before we dig into that, um, I want to... Oh, we dropped out for a moment. I just want to honor Jason, actually, because... um, not only he shared a bit of how we met, which was back in February of 2018, was where, and since then we kind of connected a little bit on social media, and then we've connected since Sarah and I actually arrived out here at the very end of May, and Jason's just been really open with me. We've met, and he's just shared some of your story and has been an encouragement to me. And I just want to say, you guys have a fantastic pastor, like you really do. Um, I also wanted to share some encouragement because I, was, I just felt it was right to take a moment to, to pray for you as a community, as a church, before we came here. And I felt God took me to, um, he reminded me of a prayer that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. So this is in Ephesians 3, and Paul said this. He said, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I felt like God was saying, as you are approaching your one-year mark, you are rooted, you are established. And being rooted and established in his love that we've been just singing about and praying about. Like God's desire for you is that you would go on being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So the best is yet to come. You know, God has such good plans for you. And so I just want to bless you guys and speak blessing over your present, speak blessing over your future. I felt God uh, say to me that he wants me to bless you guys specifically to increase in number and in impact, but also to increase in favor within this community. And I know you're a church that is focused on community, but I felt God say that he's going to take you up a level in terms of your impact in the community and the favor that he will give you in the community. So I just speak blessing over you, bring that as a word of encouragement for you as you approach your first year. Um, This morning, uh, Jason's basically introduced our family, which is great. So we've got Ella, who's eight, Caleb, who's about to turn five there downstairs. Ella's our little evangelist. Uh, wherever she goes, she seems to want to invite people to church, which is great. Um, Caleb's our little prayer warrior, and uh, some of you will have noticed I've had my arm in a sling. I had a bit of an accident a couple of weeks ago, just recovering from that. But every day, he's coming and laying his hand on my shoulder and praying for me. Like at the age of five, he's got it. And this is what we want in our youngsters. So parents, I just encourage you, 
Pray for your kids. Model to your kids what it means to, to bring them up in the faith so that they actually grow up as though these things are normal, that this is the way to live, just in relationship with God. It's, it's the way to do it. So this morning, we're going to look at um, Luke 5. We're continuing your journey through Luke. I believe that you're kind of uh, between the series, journeying through Luke, and you've got to Luke 5. And Jason didn't know this, but this passage is really significant to uh, Sarah and I in the journey that we've been on with God as he's called us to move over here to church plant. And I'll share a bit about that, but um, got to get us to move from the UK, to get us to... Um, come out of an established ministry there and take the risk of moving our family over here to plant a church in a completely different country, God had to do quite a lot of confirmation for us to tell us, yes, this is actually what I'm asking of you, um, and this is what I need you to do. And uh, these, these verses at the beginning of Luke 5, um, it's one of the passages that God's spoken to through us. And um, so I just believe that God's got encouragement for you all this morning. Because he knew this passage was relevant to me, Jason didn't. And yet here I am speaking on this passage. And so I'm hoping that as we look at these words this morning, we're going to learn what it is to know that we actually have purpose. That God has a purpose for you, that he has a plan for you. And actually if you will step into that purpose, and if you'll allow him to step into your lives in order to get to that purpose, actually where you're headed and what God can do through you is beyond what you might imagine and is immeasurably more than what you could ask or imagine of him. So let's just uh, read this through together. It's Luke 5. If you've got it uh, with you, either paper version or digital version, I think it will come up on the screen behind as well. But we'll read this through and then we're going to take a look through it. So this is Luke 5 beginning at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, and he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore, and then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and followed him. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father, thank you for your word, which is living and active. Thank you that this account of something that happened almost 2,000 years ago is relevant to us today. And I ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to see and hear what it is that you have put in this text to help us as we seek to live a life that is full of meaning and purpose. Have your way in us this morning. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So as I said, this morning we're going to um, just look at this passage and bring out what, what it is saying to us about our purpose, the fact that there is a pathway to our purpose, and we're going to focus in on just six words, um, but we're going to look at the whole lot. And I want to give you this as a bit of a bottom line. I'll, I'll say this a few times. But my belief is that letting Jesus step into your present is the best way for you to step into your future. I'll say that again. Letting Jesus step into your present is the best way for you to step into your future. Um, I did my undergraduate degree in uh, management. Uh, that was back in the UK, although I spent two or four years out in Vancouver. I came over to UBC to do an exchange program, um, and then God said he wanted me to stay on a year, so I stayed and did a year's placement uh, working in downtown Vancouver. And I thought at that point that I was headed towards a career in management consulting. I have quite expensive taste, um, and my dad always said that that was a good career path to satisfy my expensive taste. Um, it's certainly different to ministry. Um, but when I was in the final year of my degree, I um, sensed that God was calling me to pursue ministry instead. And I actually started in music ministry as a worship pastor. But at that time, God told me that he had a change of direction, that no longer was I going to pursue a life in management, I was going to pursue life in ministry. And for me, that was quite a big decision that I had to take because God didn't actually say, this is what you are going to do. He said to me, you've got a choice. You can go your way or you can go my way. And it really did feel like he just laid that down as a choice for me. He spoke through a metaphor of a boat, which uh, links to this passage and is one of the reasons why this passage is significant to us later in the journey. But he basically said, there's a boat tied to a shore and it's going to leave and you've got one foot on the boat and one foot on the shore and you can make a choice whether you're going to stay on the shore and pursue your way or whether you're going to step on the boat and come my way. God gave me that choice and I knew, having grown up in faith, that if there was one thing I wanted from life, it was that I wanted to walk with Jesus. And so I decided to allow Jesus into my present because I believed that that would be the best way for me to pursue my future and his purpose for me. So I want to draw our attention, first of all, to a verse right at the end of this passage. It's um, the second half of verse 10. Having uh, worked our way through the passage and the accounts, the events that happen, Jesus says to Simon at the very end, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And as I was studying this, I felt that God was saying, he wants to remind us of two things. For Simon, he had a plan. He said, from now on, he had a plan for Simon, but he also had a purpose. From now on, you will fish for people. And I believe God wants to say to you this morning, to, to remind all of us, actually, he has a plan for your life and he has a purpose for your life. And we have a choice as to whether we step into that plan and that purpose or whether we don't. 
But know this, God has a plan and God has a purpose for you. Jeremiah 29 tells us that God spoke and said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so we, we can step into that. We can know that that is a truth that God speaks over us. He knows the plans he has for us. And what are his plans? His plans are to prosper us, not to harm us. So we can know that they are good plans for us. They're to give us hope. And this, this is a world without a lot of hope. But if we can step into a plan that is to give us hope, that's surely a good thing. But God has purpose for us as well. To Peter um, tells us, I think it's 2 Peter 3 verse 9, it says that I've chosen you. Um, and I, I've, my mind's just gone completely blank. But it's, it's such that we would give him glory, such that we would give him praise. So there's like this common purpose for us, that God has chosen us. We, um, we had a youth camp recently, and uh, chosen was the title of that youth camp, and it came from that verse and our youth pastor um, said that chosen, the word chosen, implies that you have value and that you have purpose. So when God says, you are chosen, he's saying, you have value to me. You have purpose. And that purpose in that verse is kind of this common purpose to us all. It's that our life might declare the glory of he, the one who's called us, that we might give praise to our heavenly Father, that we might give praise to Jesus our Savior. But there's a verse in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10, that speaks of our purpose as well. And it says that um, God has called us my mind's gone blank again. This is terrible. Um, but it, it speaks of a more unique purpose, that God has planned something. He's, he's got good works that are prepared for us in advance. And that speaks of something that perhaps is unique to us. So your purpose might be different to my purpose. And that's okay, but God has a purpose for you. So he has a plan for you, and he has a purpose for you. And it's really important that we we allow that truth to take root because otherwise we can go through life trying to find meaning in all sorts of different areas. And people do that. People seek for meaning and purpose in all sorts of different ways. But ultimately, the only place we're going to find our purpose, where we find fulfillment, is when we come to Christ and when we step into God's purpose for our lives. And so this passage really speaks of kind of a progression and a pathway towards our purpose. We start with, um, it's really an account of Simon and Jesus. There's other people that are in here, but really this passage is about Simon and Jesus. And Simon starts as a fisherman. He's a professional fisherman. He's been out fishing all night, and Jesus is there at the beginning of this uh, passage. He's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The people are crowding around him. The previous chapter tells us that Jesus has uh, come out of his time of testing in the wilderness. News has spread around, about, spread around the countryside about him. People have heard him speak in different places, and they're amazed at the authority of his words. And so Jesus is kind of gaining this reputation. And so as he's there at the shore of the Sea of Galilee, people are crowding around because they've heard about this guy and they want to know what he has to say. And there's something in this picture where 
If you picture it for a moment, you've got Jesus with this crowd around him, but Simon actually at this point is somewhere else. He's not part of the crowd. He's, he's over in this other place on the shore washing his nets. And I want to tell you this, that there are times when you may feel like you are on the outside of something, like the crowd is over there, the party's happening over there, something's happening over there, but you're left on the outside. And one of the things that this passage teaches us is that Jesus doesn't want us left on the outside. Jesus wants to draw us in. He wants to draw us into relationship. And actually what we see in this passage is that Jesus takes Peter from the outside of the crowd, outside the circle, and pulls him right into the center and gives him a VIP position. And I feel like there's someone that needs to know. Jesus sees you. In those moments when you don't feel like you're seen, in those moments when you feel like you're on the outside, Jesus sees you and he wants to draw you in. He never wants people left excluded outside of what's happening. He wants to draw you in. He wants a relationship with you. And so we find that with Simon, that he actually goes and specifically steps into Simon's boat and asks Simon to come and to put out a little from the shore. Practically speaking, Jesus is just creating his own amphitheater. Like he knows that the people are crowding around him. He knows he needs to do something practical to address the situation so that other people can hear what he has to say. And so he does this situation where he just gets into a boat, pushes out a little from the shore, and people can line up on the shore, and he can stand up and address them from the boat. Practically speaking, that's what, what's going on. But there's something deeper because he's seen Simon and he's drawn Simon into this situation. And Simon suddenly finds himself not on the outside, but in this VIP seat, sat right next to Jesus. And what I see at this point is Simon demonstrating a certain level of faithfulness to Jesus. It's not really explicit in the text. But Simon had to say yes to allow Jesus to step into his life. Literally, Jesus stepped into his boat. But that was his life. That kind of represents his life. And so right at the beginning, this pathway to Simon's purpose was just saying yes for Jesus to step in. Then there's an act of obedience, pushing out a little from the shore. And I kind of think, if you're in a boat in water, likelihood is the boat's just not going to keep itself still on its own. So I kind of picture Peter sat there with some oars, just steadying the boat, kind of quietly in the background, serving Jesus. Just making sure that the platform for Jesus is steady. It's an unseen task. Everyone's gaze was on Jesus. Everyone was listening to Jesus. But Simon's there, quietly serving in the background. And sometimes that's where we start. God has greater things for us. Simon becomes Peter. On the day of Pentecost, he preaches his first sermon and 3,000 people are converted. And suddenly the church is born. And we're here today because Simon said yes to Jesus. But it started with just a small act of obedience, saying yes 
to Jesus stepping into his life and then just serving quietly behind the scenes. But then the, the scene progresses because having taught the people, Jesus then says to Simon, put out into deep water. And this is the bit that got me in October 2017 when Jesus said, now is the time for you to pursue this call to plant a church. We had spent seven years traveling with a call to plant a church. In 2010, God first told us that he was going to call us to plant a church. Seven years later, he said, now is the time to do that. And the reason he did, or the way that he did this, first of all, was by taking me to this very passage and showing me the difference between putting out a little and putting out into the deep to let down the nets for a catch. In one sense, in 2017, I was sat in my metaphorical boat of established ministry a little way from the shore, very comfortable, serving God, serving Jesus, getting on with it. But then Jesus said, actually, I need you to put out into deep water. I need you to take a step of faith and you're gonna let down your nets for a catch. It's a metaphor. He needed us to take a step of faith and to cast a net that we might bring people into the kingdom of God, that we would share the gospel and see people saved in Jesus' name. And so we see a progression here for Simon that he's put out a little in verse And then in verse 4, Jesus asks him now to put out into the deep. And what I want to suggest is that Jesus takes us on a pathway towards our purpose. We serve in the little things before he entrusts us with the big things. And I felt when I was preparing this that Jesus wants to say to some of you, you know that God's got a call for you that is greater than where you are now. But be patient in the process. Because in his time, he will call you to where he needs you to be. But his timing is perfect. You have to be patient in the process and know that you're on a pathway towards your purpose. But notice here that the progression isn't just from one thing to another. It's ultimately working towards something which, as it was for us, for Simon, was to let down the nets for a catch. And it's really interesting because Jesus has expectation in this. He says, let down your nets for a catch. And when we see Simon's response, he just says, well, I'll let down the nets. It's like Simon doesn't quite believe there's going to be a catch. He doesn't have that same level of expectation that Jesus does. And sometimes we don't necessarily have that faith but we just need to step out in obedience, even if we don't have the faith that what Jesus is saying is actually going to happen. Even if we don't see it. If Jesus sees it, let's act in obedience. Let's look at Simon's response. Verse 5, Simon answers, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught a thing. It's like he's saying, with respect, Jesus, you're an ex-carpenter turned rabbi, teacher, and we're the professional fishermen. And we've just been fishing all night and we haven't caught a single fish. And now you're telling us to go out in the day when the fish are known to kind of hide away. 
to go fishing. Like, Jesus, with respect, I'm not sure you know what you're talking about. That's kind of the essence of what Simon's saying. And there's times that Jesus calls us to do something that we don't understand. I'll jump forwards in our story. May of last year. Um, it was May of last year, wasn't it? Uh, Sarah and I were in this process. We knew that God had called us to move out here. We'd been out here in February on this kind of reconnaissance trip, trying to discern the call. And then in May of last year, we were still serving. I was serving as, as an associate pastor at a church. We spent a day of prayer and fasting, and at the end of the day, we came together, and both of us felt that God had said that I needed to have my notice in. We did not have a way into Canada at that point. Uh, so it didn't really make sense to give up the job that we had. We didn't have finances in place because we're essentially here as missionaries. So we're being supported by people. But at that point, we didn't have the support. So there was no way that what God was calling us to seemed like it was going to happen at that point. But God said, I want you to hand your notice in. And so we handed in our notice or my notice. Just to put that into context, that meant that in three months' time, I would have no job, which obviously meant in three months' time, I would have no income. I was the sole provider for our family. That meant as a family, we would have no income. The house we were living in was part of the package. So it also meant that we would have no house, no home. So what do you say when God asks you to do something that doesn't seem to make sense? Well, what, what did Simon say? He said, but because you say so, I will. Six words that changed his life. Six words that changed our lives. And six words that can change your life. But because you say so, take the butt off. Because you say so, I will. If you have the butt on it, it becomes seven words. Because you say so, I will. An act of obedience when it doesn't make sense. But who are we going to trust? Who are we looking to? For us, it was a case of, okay, God, we say that we trust you. We now need to live that out. that actually has to have some action attached to it. I can, I can claim all sorts of things, but unless there's an action attached to it, I can't prove that what I'm saying is true. And so we handed in our notice, and that started opening doors for us. And it's fascinating that in this passage, Simon says, but because you say so, I will, and verse 6 says, when they had done so, so after they had done that action of obedience, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Do you see what happens? Obedience positioned them for a miracle. They'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything. And then when they act in obedience to Jesus, suddenly a miracle occurs. If you want to see God's work in your life, you have to be in a position of obedience before him. If you say yes to him, he can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 actually says that. He says, now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine, 
according to his power that is at work in you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. See, he's able to do more than we can ask or imagine, but it's according to his power at work in you. So unless you give him that opportunity to show his power at work in you, he's not going to do more than we can ask or imagine. Those things come together. He's able, but we have to allow him in. We've got to let Jesus into our present so that we can walk into our future. That's the best way, right? Letting Jesus step into our present is the best way for us to step into our future. And so we need to say yes to Jesus, that we might see those miracles, that we might see those wonders. And so as for Simon, that act of obedience opened a doorway for Jesus to do something miraculous. For Sarah and I, once we handed our notice in, suddenly things started coming together. And now we're here, supported by people in the UK. We're in a different country. We're pursuing something we never thought we would be doing. And God has made all of that possible. And we could share testimony after testimony of the things he's done. He's provided a home for us over here in a time that people have said is just completely unrealistic. We had a house within a week under market value. Not that we've purchased, we're renting. But a guy actually held a house for us even though he had other people willing to pay the full price. And God has just done one thing on top of another on top of another to make a way for us to be here. And we just continue to walk this path where God is doing these incredible things for us. And I believe it's because we're saying, because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. Doesn't always make sense, God. But because you say so, I will. I don't see how this is going to work out, God. But because you say so, I will. And so the boats are so full that they begin to sink. And verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he falls at Jesus' knees and he says, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. You know, he has this revelation of Jesus. And the miracle points him to the Messiah. And miracles always do. Miracles, yes, they bless us. When things happen, we can rejoice in the way that they have blessed people, the way that people have been healed. But they're not just for the healing. They're to point us towards Jesus. That's always what the miracles of Jesus were about. Whenever he was performing miracles in scriptures, it was always to show people who he was and who he is. And when we get a glimpse of the Messiah, the Savior, suddenly become aware of who we are. And when we see our sin, we see our need for a savior. And I wonder if, as I say that this morning, it makes some of you aware of something in your life, some wrongdoing, some sin, where you go, yeah, that's where I need the savior. Because we cannot save ourselves. Jesus is the savior that we need. And these things are to point us towards him. And so Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. He reveals this plan that he has for Simon. He reveals this purpose that he has for Simon. 
And what I find fascinating is that he speaks to Simon. But then what does verse 11 say? They pulled their boats up. They left everything. There's been this revelation of who Jesus is. And although Jesus was having an encounter with Simon, actually it impacted many people around. And so they all suddenly saw who Jesus was and his six other words that can change your life. They left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him because they saw who Jesus was and realized there was nothing else that they needed. And so they could leave it all behind. And so they literally pulled their business assets up onto the shore. They pulled the miracle up onto the shore, this miraculous catch of fish that would have been worth quite a lot of money to them. And they left it all behind to follow Jesus. Because they had a revelation of who he was. Letting Jesus into your present is the best way for you to step into your future. Yes, there's a cost that might come with that. But what Sarah and I have found as we've been on this journey and what we decided at the start of this journey was that the cost of disobedience outweighed the cost of obedience. The cost of saying no to Jesus was something we couldn't bear. It was far greater than the cost of saying yes. And yes, there has been a cost. Yes, it's not necessarily the easiest of paths to walk, but it's the best path to walk. Because walking with Jesus is always going to be better than walking without him. And so, there's a number of things that this passage teaches us. That there's a plan and a purpose that God has for each one of us. It's easy sometimes to look at someone else and say, well, I see that that person, like there's, there's something of God's anointing on that person and I can see the plan and purpose that God has for them. But actually what the scriptures teach us is there's a plan and a purpose for every one of us. And God wants us to allow him into our lives that we can then walk that out. That we say yes we let Jesus step into our present because we know that that is the best way for us then to step into our future. Because you say so, I will. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't understand it. Because you say so, I will. And so for someone, maybe a few people here this morning, you may be at that point of going, I know that God is asking me to do something and it's not easy I want to encourage you to take this posture of obedience and faith and say, okay, God, because you say so, I will. And we'll pray into that in a moment. For some of you, it may be that like Simon, seeing Jesus has given you an awareness of a sin in your life that needs to be dealt with. And we can pray about that in a moment too, where you go, yeah, I see that. I need a savior. And for some of you, it might simply be that sense that you want to pursue this purpose. You want to walk it out. And maybe you know that you're already on that pathway. And you just want to keep walking that and keep being faithful in that 
that God would take you from one step to the next step to the next step so that you keep pursuing what he has for you, knowing that he can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you. So why don't we pray for a moment? Let's just close our eyes, bow our heads. And I wonder if you're comfortable. I'm just going to ask if you could raise your hands if any of those things identified with you. So um, with all heads bowed and eyes closed so that we just respect each other's privacy. First of all, is there anyone that knows that there is a sin or that you see the sin and you see your need for a savior this morning? Okay. Is there anyone that knows that God is calling you to something that's quite a big step and you kind of relate to that sense of needing to say, because you say so, I will? Okay, I see. I see. Right, a few hands there. Thank you. And is there anyone that feels like they're in the middle of that purpose, that you're moving towards some calling of God? And you just want to remain faithful and obedient. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. And I see you. I see you. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to pray into those things. And if we can just keep it quiet in here as we pray. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to move and to encourage us. Father, I thank you. You are a loving God. You are a holy God. And that you call us into relationship with you. I thank you that you are a saving God and a redeeming God and that you do actually wash away all of our sins. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. And so, Father, right now I pray for those who are walking that plan, that are walking towards that purpose, who know that you have called them to more. And I pray that you would give them strength in that walk, that you would help them to be obedient in that walk, that you would help them to be persistent in that walk and to have patience in that walk, that they would just stay faithful to you, God, and that you would encourage them and that you would strengthen them and that you would show yourself in the midst of that walk. Father, I ask your blessing upon them. I ask that right now you would encourage them and build them up that as they continue that walk towards their purpose, they would know that you are right there with them and you are going to do amazing things in them and through them to your glory. And Father, for those who identified that they know that you are calling them to make a decision that could be costly, would you give them the strength to be like Simon and to say, because you say so, I will. Give them the faith that they need, God, in the midst of that. Help them to be obedient to your call. And again, I pray that you would encourage them and build them up. Father, I thank you for what you are going to do amongst us as your people, for the plans and the purposes you have, for the way you want to build your kingdom and grow your kingdom. Lord, we want to build our lives upon you. So, Father, would you come now by your Holy Spirit into each and every one of us, that you would equip us and enable us and strengthen us 
to be the people you're calling us to be. God, that we would see your kingdom come, that we would see your will be done, that you would be glorified, that you would have your way in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. It's been a privilege and a pleasure to be with you this morning. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.